Romans 8.31 says, since God is for us, who can ever be against us? The problem is many people today don't feel like God is for them. They feel like if God exists, he is probably against them or mad at them in some way. But that couldn't be farther from the truth. God is for us and he wants us to know that. So since the beginning of Epic, we have set out to prove to our community that God is for them. We've done that through our serving projects where we send hundreds of our people into our community to serve. We've done that through working with local partners like Habitat for Humanity, Grace Community Food Pantry, Alpha Women's Center, and our domestic violence shelter. And after 10 years of being for Flagler County, more and more people are beginning to understand that God is for them. And now we have a new opportunity. We are at a point where the needs of our community outweigh the capacity of our current resources, staff, and rented facilities. So we believe God is leading us to launch into the next chapter of us being for Flagler. And we plan to do that in three key ways. Number one, since we are for our community, we plan to create a care network and counseling center to help meet some of the needs of our community. The sad reality is Flagler County has had one of the highest suicide rates in Florida over the past few years, and our community lacks the resources we need to address those things. So we want our care network and counseling center to be a part of the solution. Our counseling center will provide spiritual direction and biblical solutions for many of the struggles that people face today. And our care network will be a place where anyone looking for spiritual, emotional, or physical help can find it. To do this, we need easily accessible rented office facilities with counseling rooms. We need trained volunteers who can provide care, compassion, and guidance. And we need staff and counselors who can provide high quality biblical and psychological help. The second way for us to be for Flagler involves us being for families. As a growing church of 700 people, more and more families are coming. And often they are coming because their children are excited about what they are experiencing here at Epic and want to keep coming back. In addition to that, there are thousands of children and students in our community who need to be connected with so they can be connected with God. Our children and students are the future of our community and we want to invest more of our resources in them. To help us do these things, we are planning to hire a full-time student director and hire additional part-time staff members for our children's ministry. The third way for us to be more for Flagler involves us being for the future. So we feel like it's time to further establish ourselves in our community by purchasing and building a new church facility. The land that we're in contract to purchase is a 16 acre parcel close to I-95 around the corner from our local hospital and next to our airport. And this land is easily accessible from all parts of our community. And on this land, we plan to build an engaging facility where thousands of children, students, and adults can continue to come and be transformed by the truth that God is for them. This is the opportunity before us. And over the next 24 months, we need to raise $2.5 million to reach these goals. 1.5 of that will increase our operational budget, which will enable us to start our counseling center and care network and hire more staff. And then we hope to raise an additional $1 million to purchase our land and finish phase one of developing that land. We're asking everyone who calls Epic their home 
to join us in this great adventure. I ask you to pray, engage, and give to help us in this next chapter of reaching our community for Christ. So let's join together in being for our community, for our families, and for the future because God is for Flagler, we are for Flagler, and I am for Flagler. I hope you'll be for Flagler as well. Welcome to Epic, everybody. If you're new with us, my name is Trent. I'm one of the pastors on staff here, and that intro video highlights the big vision that we feel like God has for us as a church in the next 10 years and beyond in our life, and we're excited to explore this together in this series that we're calling For Flagler. And last week, we looked at what it looks like for us to be for our community. Today, we're going to look at what it looks like for us to be for the families in our community, and next week, We're going to look at what it looks like for us to be for the future. So as we begin today, I'm going to go back to Luke chapter 10, where we were last week. Does anybody remember the big Bible story Jesus taught last week? Awesome. Way to go. Extra points for you. Extra star by your name, you know, for paying attention in the service. Um, So last week, Jesus told us the Good Samaritan story, and it was birthed out of this conversation that Jesus had with a religious leader. So we're going to go back to that, and we're going to pull something out of that here in just a minute. So Luke chapter 10, verse 25, it says, one day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus answered, right, do this and you will live. And then Jesus went on to explain the Good Samaritan story of of who our neighbor is and how we should interact when we see people around us in need. When we see a need, we should meet those needs. So we explored that last week. But today I want to start by pulling out that one little sentence where it was said that we must love God with all our heart. So I would love some audience participation participation from you. And I would love for you to answer that question of how do we love God with all of our heart? How do we do this on a practical level? Maybe how do you do this? So let's think out loud together. By surrendering. surrendering. That is a very tough part of loving God with all of our heart. Staying Staying connected. So staying connected with him, praying. So a conversation with him. Obedience. That's one I struggle with. You know, the obedience part is, you know, some, sometimes that's hard for us to do. You know, I like about 80% of what God asked me to do, and then the other 20%, no, I want to do it my own way. So giving God all of our hearts and being obedient to him is a big deal. Attendance. What's that? Attendance to church. Attendance to church. So that's a piece of that for sure. As we attend church, that's a place where we can learn and grow in our relationship with God. So that can be a measure of loving God with our heart and anybody else. Reading his word, yep, and applying that to our lives is good. Well, I heard, some, was that dedication? Yeah, so dedicating our lives to him. So those are some great answers this morning. Let me suggest to you the first way for us to love God with all of our heart is to make sure God has our heart. God has to have our heart for us to actually love him with all of our heart. 
And there's this interesting truth found all throughout scripture that goes like this. God exists in a family, and that family is known as the Trinity, a relationship between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So God exists in a family, and God wants us in his family. I don't know if that blows anybody's minds here this morning, but that blows my mind. The, the reality that a perfect, holy God wants imperfect, holy me and us in his family, that's craziness. But Ephesians 1.5 says, God decided in advance. So God decided in advance before he created the world, before we ever stepped in and messed anything up, before we ate the forbidden fruit and broke our relationship with God, before any of that happened, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. And this is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. It gave God great pleasure to pay the ultimate price so that you and I could choose whether we want to be adopted into God's family. I think that is Amazing! It's a profound truth that we need to understand. But there's some bad theology out there that I feel like I need to correct a little bit. Um, I see this on social media. Often when I am doing a funeral or around a funeral, I will hear somebody say something like this. Uh, I'll hear people that are Christ followers say this. I'll hear people that are non-Christ followers say this. And the statement is this that needs to be corrected. Many people say, we are all God's children. Anybody ever heard somebody say that before? All right, it's pretty prevalent out there. It's a great thought, but it's not true. We are not all God's children. We are all created by God. But we only become God's children when we do what Romans 3.22 says. It says this. It says, we are made right with God. Or that's another way of saying we are adopted into God's family by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for how many people? Everyone. It's true for everyone who believes. Everyone who believes, no matter who we are. So the amazing truth about God's family is it's open to anyone who wants to be in it. We're the ones that get to choose whether we're adopted into God's family or not. God doesn't look around and say, well, you know, I like your haircut, so I'll pick you. Man, you're looking really good today. Like that shirt, I'll pick you. You're really tall, handsome. You know, I'll go after you. God doesn't do that. God says it's open to anyone. We're the ones who choose whether we want to be adopted into God's family or not. So big question this morning is, does God have your heart? Do you have a relationship with the creator of the universe where you at one point said, God, here's my heart. I give it to you. I believe that Jesus, you died on the cross so I can have eternal life. If you've done that, then you are a child of God. If you haven't done that yet, Scripture says you're not one of God's kids yet, but God wants nothing more than for you to put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And we're going to talk a little bit more towards the end of, of today's message about how you can do that. So that's, I think, the first way that we can love God with our whole heart is to make sure he has our heart. A second way that we can love God with our whole heart is to help other people join his family. The reality is family is a big deal to God. 
and people coming into his family is a big deal to him. So it should be a big deal to us as well, understanding that God paid the ultimate price for that to happen, the ultimate price for us to choose to be adopted into his family. And so that should be a number one priority for us, helping other people be adopted into God's family. Now, here's where it gets a little challenging for those of us who are Christ followers. And, and you know, personally, I've wrestled with this in my life. I know a number of Christ followers that wrestle with this. And, and the thought goes like this, like, I don't, I don't know that I want to offend anybody. I don't know that I want to you know, put this on somebody else. I don't know that I want to impress my views on them and make them feel uncomfortable. And so we kind of get this idea that our faith should be private. That's another inaccurate thought. Our faith should be personal. Our faith should never be private. People should be able to see how we live, how we love God, how we love other people. They should be able to understand that God is real based upon how we interact with the world around us. And so another question is, how are you doing at that? If you're a Christ follower, how are you doing at helping other people around you understand that God loves them? and wants to adopt them into his family. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said in Acts 20, 24. This is one of my favorite verses, specifically about Paul. He says, my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by God, the work of telling others the good news about God's wonderful grace. And I don't know if we understand how powerful of a statement that is, but that was Paul's life verse. That was his mission in life. And Paul was a religious leader, and Paul could have said, you know what, my life's purpose is to tell everybody that they got to follow all the rules and do it perfectly in order to have a relationship with God. He said, that's, that's not what it's about. My life's purpose is to tell everybody about God's wonderful grace, and he extends that to all of us so that we can choose through a relationship with Jesus Christ to be adopted into his family. So how are you doing at that? Over the past 10 years, we've been working hard as a church to fulfill that mission of leading people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. And over the past 10 years, we have seen at least 667 people put their faith and trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Correction, after the first service, one more person said, I want to be adopted. I want in. So at least 668 people. Now, as amazing as that is, think about the community we live in. We live in a community of over 110,000 people. So 668 people is just a drop in the bucket compared to the many people in our community that need to hear this message. And we need to do this together. So I invite you, if you're part of our church family, as we go into our community, as we go to work, as we go into our neighborhoods, as we go to school, let's live like Jesus so that people can meet Jesus, give their heart to him. I think that's what it means for us to love God with all of our heart. Now, understanding that family is a big deal to God, I want to take just a few minutes and consider the condition of families in our world today. And I don't think that it's going to take much for me to convince us that our families are in crisis out there. They're in a lot of pain. They're hurting, and they need help. 
But listen to some of these statistics that we're going to walk through here in a minute. The Pew Research Center says in 1960, 9% of children born in America were born into a single parent home. So it was 1960. And I spoke with a child development specialist recently who said they believe that that statistic in this year's census will jump up to 50%. That means 50% of children born today will be in America will be born in single parent homes. Now we have some superstar single parents around here. But I think we all understand that parenting is hard work. And, and doing it as a single parent, whether a single dad or a single mom, is a lot of hard work. And those parents need support. Why do they need support? Listen to some of these next statistics. 63% of youth suicides come from fatherless homes. 90% of homeless and runaway children have no dad at home. 71% of all high school dropouts have no active father in their house or in their lives. So that means, guys, we play a big role in our families, and we need to step into that and play the, the highest level that we can play to engage our families and lead our families well. Um, but these statistics can be skewed positively when a single parent gets the support that they need. And I think God's asking us as his family to provide that support to families in crisis. Listen to some more of these statistics. More than 3 million grandparents are raising their grandkids today. And I'm not talking about uh, they see their grandkids occasionally or they live in their, their grandchildren's homes. I'm saying more than 3 million grandparents are raising their grandkids. And we've got some of those superstar grandparents in our church. Here's another statistic. Uh, 400,000 children in Florida need behavioral health services, but only 45% of those are getting some type of help. Here's another one. Last year, Florida ranked 49th in access to care for mental health issues. 49th. Talk about being uh, you know, low on the, on the scale there. That's us. 2017, Flagler County was designated as a health professional shortage area because of our lack of mental health resources that are provided to our community. Here's some big statistics. Um, our county had 429 homeless students this past year, and that comes from Flagler, or Families in Transition program from our Flagler County schools. 429 students considered homeless in our community. The reality is families today are in crisis and they need help. God's asking his family. If you're part of his family, if you've given your heart to God, God's asking us as his church to help meet some of those needs. That's what we're talking about in this series. That's what we feel like God wants us to do to be for our community and let them know that God is for them as well. Now, this next question is going to come out of left field, okay? So hang with me for just a second as I ask this question. It's going to go in a different direction, but we'll tie it back together. How many of you grew up in a family system where somebody in your family was known as the favorite? 
There was somebody, like it was a brother, sister, somebody, like you knew they were the favorite. Okay, like we, many of us know that. Uh, how many of you would say you were the family favorite? Okay, some of us are proud of that. We're like, yeah, it was me. Like, absolutely. Yeah, so I have an older brother, an older sister, and it's a family joke that they, they tease me all the time. You're just the family favorite. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. I agree with you on that. Um, but in God's family, the reality is this. God doesn't have favorites. But there are some people in God's family that are extra special to him. So listen to who they are. Mark chapter 10 tells us this in verse 13. One day, some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. When Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry with his disciples. He said to them, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth. Anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Then he took the children in his arms and placed his hands on their head and he blessed them. Children are extra special to God. They are so special to God, Jesus makes this big statement. So think about like your concept of Jesus and, and, and what you think about him and how he would interact with people based upon this next statement. He said in Mark chapter 9, verse 42, he said, if you cause one of these little ones who trust in me to fall into sin, it would be better for you to be thrown into the sea with a large millstone hung around your neck. That's a big statement, don't you think? Do you think it shocked his disciples when Jesus said that? Do you think they were like, well, that's not politically correct, Jesus. You can't say that. You can't say that people are going to be you know, thrown in the bottom of the ocean if, if they cause a child to sin, and Jesus makes it very clear. It'd be better for you to get acquainted with the fish at the bottom of the ocean than for you to mess with a child who believes in me and to lead them into sin. Don't do that. Children are cared for by God in a big, big way. God is for them, and we should be for them as well. So you heard in our intro video that we believe that God wants us to be for families, to be for students, to be for children in our community by hiring more staff. And uh, we're looking to hire a full-time student director, hire more children's ministry staff to service the 150 to 200 children and students that come on a weekly basis. And yet there are thousands of children and students in our community based upon these statistics that we've been looking at that are dealing with some big issues in their lives, some big issues. They need help. They need support. They need someone to invest in them. They need somebody to introduce them to Jesus where they can come into God's forever family. So I want you to listen to a couple at our church explain why they are excited to be for families in our community. So let's watch this together. So as a law enforcement officer here in Flagler County, you know, once again for 24, almost 25 years, I have seen 
kids from early when I started this job in the 90s, just coming from single parent homes or just being raised by grandparents or, you know, something, some just they were dealt a bad hand, you know, and they're, they're coming up and they're growing up and they're trying to find themselves as teenagers. And the lack of relationships that these kids had, not only with their families, but they had no relationships with God. And I thought to myself, man, I'd love to try to impact these kids. I'd love to try to invest in these kids but I couldn't do everything on my own. So to know that our church is focusing on getting a full-time youth director, student director, that is so exciting to me. I mean, I look at that and I say, we've had such a great um, staff uh, up to this point that have that have really given 100%, but they're always wearing several hats. And, you know, Cody Anderson has been amazing and Robin has been amazing, um, but Cody was going to school full-time and he was in the school system full-time and he was still finding time to do amazing things with our youth. But to have a youth director, a student director that is going to be wearing one hat, 100% focus on our kids, it just excites me because I know that the need is there. And I know there's been times where um, Cody has challenged kids to come to church and they've loved it so much they've invited their parents. So it's something totally opposite than what you think. It's not the parents dragging the kids to church. It's the kids enjoying themselves and telling their parents, you got to come check out Epic. So, you know, as our youth um, ministry grows, that means that uh, our adult ministry is going to grow as well. So that's super exciting. And I know Melissa has been in the back for how many years? I love those kids back there. They're incredible. I just think they're so worth it. You know, all of our kids that are um, young and going to grow up through a student ministry, it's so exciting to know that it's going to grow. It's going to still be around. Um, and the great work that has been done already is going to continue. So not just for the youth that are there right now, but all the youth that are going to come through that. Just, it's exciting. It's so exciting. It's so needed. Um, they're incredible. They're incredible kids and they're just worth it. So the really cool thing about what Chris and Melissa shared there is they have been part of our church since the beginning of our church. They've helped us get started and they've been very active, very involved. And Melissa is actually my daughter's small group leader. My daughter Annie's in high school right now. And Melissa's helping her navigate some of the complexities of high school life. And I'm so grateful for the investment that she's making in my daughter and I understand there's moments that Annie says to her, well, I'm not telling my mom and dad about this, so I need some safe person that I can talk to. And I'm grateful that that safe person is Melissa and people like her. And as you heard Chris say, as a law enforcement officer in our community, he sees firsthand the crisis that families are in and the need that they have and that we can help them navigate all these complexities. And I, I truly believe that hiring more staff can help us with that. And I'm so grateful for the leadership that we've had through Cody and Robin Anderson over the past nine years who've led our student ministry. They've done a phenomenal job and yet Cody's a teacher, he's a full-time teacher over at Wadsworth Elementary School, and we've been in conversation over the past number of months, and he's said, listen, I, I can't do both of these things and do them well. And uh, we've come to that conclusion that we need to hire somebody to help us service the students in our community, the students at our church, as well as the children and families that are here. And for us to pull these things off, 
for us to, to do all these initiatives that we feel like God has for us, there's several things that need to happen. First thing is this. We all need to come together and do this as a church family. We can do more together than we can by ourselves. So we need more people stepping up to serve in our children's ministry, more people willing to serve students, more people willing to, to serve as families that are around us that are in crisis. And I truly think when we do this together, we can see God transform our community. So that's the first thing that we need to do. The second thing is this. We've sat down and we've taught tabulated, does some calculations of what we think it's going to cost us over the next two years to accomplish these three initiatives. And it comes out to about $2.5 million. And I don't know if you think that's a big number. If you don't think that's a big number, I'd like to go to lunch with you later today. I think that'd be great. But I'd say for the most of us, we go, wow, that's a big number. How are we going to get there? Let me remind all of us, we serve a God of abundance. We serve a God who looks at 2.5 million and says, that's pennies. I might have that in my pocket. So we serve a big God. And actually, those numbers aren't as big as, as we think they are. So 1.5 of the 2.5 will increase our operational budget and will help us start our counseling center, our care network, and hire more staff. And the really cool thing is we have measured our giving over the past 10 years. And if we stay on the same track that we've been on, if we keep stepping up and giving the way that we have given as a church over the past 10 years, in the next two years, we will bring in $1.5 million. That's phenomenal. That's phenomenal. And that happens because of the generosity of people like you, people in our church family that make that happen. Then in addition to that, we hope to raise $1 million to purchase the land that we're in contract for and then to finish phase one of that land. So some master development stuff and um, maybe some turn lanes, us getting that land ready for us to put a building on that. And we're super excited about that. So these numbers are actually closer to us than I think we realize at the beginning. Now, I need to explain something about church finances that a lot of people don't understand. Um, a lot of folks think that maybe we're connected with some big denomination that supports us financially, but let me make it clear this morning. We're a non-denominational church, and we're not connected with any denomination that supports us. What happens through us as a church happens because of the generosity of people in our church who give. So over the past 10 years, if you have given, you have helped us to lead 668 people into a relationship with Jesus. You've helped us to go serve our community on a regular basis. All the things that we've been able to do over the past 10 years happen because of your involvement. And if you give, I say thank you for that. You're a piece of our story. And I think what you're doing is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter six when he said, store your treasures in heaven where they can't be taken from you. And I think investment like this in our community is a way that we can store treasures in heaven. So thank you for giving. Now, if you're part of our church family and you haven't jumped into giving of your finances yet, I invite you to do that. 
And I want you to listen to what God says. And we looked at this last week, but let's just circle back to what God said in Malachi chapter 3. In verse 10, he said this. He said, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. So a tithe is 10% of our income. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there'll be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it and try it. Put me to the test. And if you've not put God to the test on that yet, I encourage you to do that. God will prove himself to you. He will prove his faithfulness to you. He will provide for you as you resource local churches to carry out the mission that God has for them. Now, I think it's very hypocritical for leaders in any context to ask uh, their people to do anything they aren't willing to do. And yet I think it's something that we see in our world all the time. We see it in politics. We see it in business. We even see it in church world. So if you weren't with us last week, last week I shared with our church that over the past 20 years, about 21, 22 years, my wife and I have been regular tithers. And we started that journey at the lowest point financially that we had gotten as a family. And we felt like God was asking us to do that. So we began 21, 22 years ago again, and we have practiced that over these past years, and we've watched God keep his promise in our lives. And so we give right now. Epic is about 10 years old. For the past 10 years, we have given 10% of our income back to God through Epic and special offerings above that as God leads us. And I tell you that so that you know we're in. We practice what we preach. I'm not going to ask you to consider doing anything that I wouldn't do personally. And then when it came to us talking about uh, this four flaglers initiatives that we felt like God has for us, for our community, I knew that it was going to involve us stepping up to a new level of giving. And so I did what I typically do when I sense God uh, leading me to do something like that. I sat down and did some quick number crunching, looked at our finances, saw how we could make some adjustments here and there. And as I did that, came up with a number beyond our tie that we could, we could handle that over the next two years. And then God asked me if, if I wanted his input. And I'll be honest, at first I said no. I said, no, God, I, I don't really want your input because I, I know what that's going to mean. That's going to involve more sacrifice than what we're doing right now. And God said, do you want my input? I said, let me pray about it. He said, why are you praying? You're talking to me anyway. I've already given you the answer. Like, I, I want to be involved in this with you. And here's what I was afraid of. I was afraid God was going to put his finger on something I didn't want to let go of. And he did. So my wife and I have been saving to do some remodeling at our home. So downstairs, we need new flooring. We need new furniture. We need new paint on the walls. We were going to try to do some little bit of remodeling in our kitchen. And we'd been saving for that. And we've been excited about the momentum that we've had and dreaming a little bit about what we're going to do. God said, are you willing to give that up to be four flagler? And my hand was like this around that. Like, oh, Lord. Am I willing? Yes, I'm willing. So both my wife and I said, yes, we're willing. And uh, we've been giving that uh, to for Flagler. And then God started showing us beyond that other ways that we could be for our community. 
And the next thing was we had a, an insurance claim at our house. We had a water damage issue, and we got a check for that, and we were able to fix that for under the amount of the check that we got. And God pointed that out and said, hey, there was some extra money you weren't even expecting to have. How about that? Like, wow, yeah, we didn't even know that that was coming. So yeah, we'll give that as well. And then it was around Christmas time, and we decided to invite our kids into the fun conversation that we had been having with God. And we said, you guys, we would like for all of us to be for Flagler. And so this Christmas, here's what we're thinking. We're going to uh, adjust what we buy for Christmas so we can give that to Fort Flagler. And my kids were like, yes. They weren't. My kids were not saying that. My kids were like, what? Does that mean less presents under the tree? Mom and dad, you be for Flagler. Like, we'll be for us. And we processed through that together. And then they were like, yes, we want to be for Flagler. That's what that means? So that my friends at school might know that God is for them? Yes, I'm willing to sacrifice to make that possible. And then uh, this past January, this past month, my wife and I were supposed to lead a team of our people to a trip to Israel. And uh, God closed that door for us months ago, and we told our team that we weren't going to be able to go. And they went, had a great time. But God whispered to me and said, listen, you were going to go on that trip. You were going to spend a certain amount of money. How about you give that as well? And at that point, I'm like, yeah, absolutely, Lord. Absolutely, we'll give that as well. So I tell you all that to say, Tammy and I are in. We are for Flagler. We want to resource our community and help our community know that God is for them. And we want to sacrifice in our lives to make that happen. And, and our church leaders are in. The core of our church are in. Many of our, our volunteers, our ministry leaders are in. And I invite you to be in with us. An important part of this series that we're doing is going to come in a couple of weeks. So March chapter, March chapter, not March chapter, March 1st. On March 1st, we're going to have a special service um, where we come together as a church family. And this is specifically for those who call Epic Home. On March 1st, uh, we're going to come together and turn in our intentions, what, what we feel like God wants us to do financially over the next two years. And that'll be centered around an intention card. It should be on your seat, so there should be some there. I encourage you to grab that for just a moment, and we've been handing these out for the past few weeks, and I'll go over it just a little bit more today, and then next week I'll, I'll go over it even more. But on this, what I encourage you to do is to write the name of a person that you know in our county who desperately needs to know that God is for them, and then begin praying about the impact that you could have on their lives. And if you look on the side of the card, the left-hand side that has the giving chart that's there, you notice that if you add all those numbers up, there's a few higher numbers at the top, a bunch of, of, of smaller numbers at the bottom. If you add all those up, that comes out to $2.5 million. And hopefully this chart will communicate to you that's going to take all of us. It's going to take all of us to reach these goals and be for our community. And so what I encourage you to do, just spend time praying and start asking God, God, what do you want me to do? And then beyond your number crunch, like me, ask God, hey, what's your input? Where would you want me to be? And as you look at that chart, maybe you'd find uh, where you might be uh, or where you could be on your monthly gift, and then just say, God, where do you want me to be? And the cool thing is you're not responsible to do what God's asking somebody else to do. You're just responsible to do what God's asking you to do. 
So be praying about what that is in your life. And then on March 1st, uh, we'll have a special service where we'll be turning in our intention cards together. And again, I'll go deeper in what that looks like next week. Now, if you didn't get one of our four Flagler folders uh, throughout this series yet, I encourage you to stop by our Connection Center and grab one before you leave. So in these folders, we've got some great information. We've got a prayer guide for you. We've got some key dates there. We've got our uh, pathway to generosity. We've got our booklet that explains the past 10 years of our church, and it answers a lot of questions about our Four Flagler Initiative. So read that, and if you've got questions beyond that, stop me. Let me know. I'd love to answer those questions. Ask Tim, ask Brian. We'd love to make sure you have all the right information that you need as we do this together. Now, as we close today, we're going to go back to what Jesus said. We're going to look at it from a different passage in actually Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. Jesus said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, in all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor. Love that person that you work with that you can't stand. Love that student at school that gets on your nerves. Love that teacher that you work with that challenges your faith on a regular basis. Learn to love people around you. And when you love them, they might understand that I'm for them. So love your neighbor as yourself. And as our worship team comes out in just a minute, they're going to guide us in a song. And as they're guiding us in this song, I encourage you to ask yourself a question. Does God have your whole heart? Does he have your your whole heart? Does he have all of your heart or just a portion of your heart? I know in my own life, there have been many moments where maybe God had 80% of my heart, but there was 20% I held back. And the reality is God's not okay with 80%. God's not okay with 95% of who we are. He wants all of who we are. He wants 100% of our hearts dedicated to him and his mission, his purposes for our lives. So does God have all of your heart? Does God have your heart? Have you started a relationship with him? If you haven't, and if you would like to, in just a moment, I'm going to guide you in how you can do that. I encourage you this week, spend some time processing. What does it look like for me to love God with all my heart, not just a portion of it? So if you would, let's bow our heads and pray together. I'm curious this morning as we begin to pray, if there would be anybody here willing to admit that maybe you recognize this morning that God has only had a portion of your heart. Maybe, maybe you've given God 50% of your heart, or maybe you've given him 80%, and yet there's something you're holding back. Maybe it's a relationship you're holding back from him. Maybe it's uh, control over your life. Uh, who knows what that could be? But if there's anybody here in that spot, would you just raise your hand real quick? Anybody willing to say, you know what? God doesn't have all my heart. Yeah, thank you. I see hands all over. Yep, thank you. Again, the reality is God wants all of who we are. So God, I pray for those folks this morning that are willing to admit that. Lord, you know that portion of their heart that they need to give over to you for complete control. And I pray that we would give you everything, Lord, not just a majority of our lives, not just a majority of our hearts, but we would trust you with every aspect of our lives. 
And Lord, we can understand that you are trustworthy and you will take really good care of our hearts. As we continue to pray, I'm curious this morning if there's anybody here who is willing to admit maybe you've never given God your heart. You've never started a relationship with the creator of the universe. And maybe this morning you're sensing it's time for you to do that. So if there's anybody here that's, that's willing to say that and, and knows that you need to do that today, would you raise your hand and just hold it up high enough for me to see that? I'll just take a second to look around. I don't want to miss anybody. I see one hand up. Anybody willing to say that you need that? Is there another hand? I see two hands. I see a third hand. Thank you for holding your hand up. I appreciate that. If you're in that spot, whether you're in this room or you're watching online, let me just remind you of how you start a relationship with the creator of the universe. We get to choose. We get to choose whether we're adopted by him or not, and it involves a conversation that we have with the creator of the universe. And it involves us admitting that we need God, where we say, I need you. It involves us believing that Jesus died so that we can have eternal life and that he is our savior. And it involves us asking him, saying, will you come into my life? Will you come into my heart? And if we have a conversation with God like that, scripture is clear that the creator of the universe will adopt us into his family and teach us how to grow in a relationship with him. So this morning, if you're in that spot, you're recognizing you need that, while we're singing, I encourage you just to to pray a simple prayer like I'm about to guide you through. And it doesn't matter if you get the words perfectly right or not. That's not the secret code. What God cares about is the sincerity of, of our hearts when we make these claims to him and we say, God, I admit that I need you. I believe, Jesus, you're the savior of the world. And I ask you to be my savior. And I ask you to come into my life and be my Lord. And again, as we do that, he will respond. So pray that this morning, if you sense that's what you need to do. So God, we're so grateful for this morning and this this time that we've learned how to love you a little bit more with all of our heart. And Lord, understanding that you want us in a relationship with you, you invited us into your family is a profound truth, Lord, that, that we get to choose that. And Lord, there's some this morning that are choosing that. I was so excited for them as they make those steps. And Yet, God, as we analyze our lives, maybe we recognize we've done that, and yet we recognize there's more of our hearts to give to you. So, Lord, may we be the people who give you all of who we are, and may we go out from this place helping others around us understand how they can join your family as well. So we look around our community, we understand that families are in crisis today, and you've asked us to support those families in some big ways. So teach us how to do that, Lord. May we be people who are willing to open our hands and sacrifice so somebody else might meet you and join your forever family. So Lord, through this song, we give you our hearts and we ask you to speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray this, amen.